0: Welcome to the Lewis Jonker Podcast. Lewis is a speaker, storyteller, preacher and poet. Hope you get something out of this talk. Well, this morning's sermon, I think, is going to be more of a reflection. I'm excited. As I read these scriptures, I can't help but ponder and dream and think. Uh, My sermon this morning is called The OG Church, meaning the original church. I'm looking at some scriptures today that go back to right at the very beginning. What did the church look like at the very beginning? What was it originally like? If you're anything like me, you've questioned, what is the church? If you attended a Bible study this week, you would have asked the question in Johnny's study, what is the church? And it's good to ponder, there's a theological term for that. I'm going to get it wrong, I'm going to ask Pastor Johnny, it's like, uh, ecclesiology, ecclesiology? I got it right, I do know my theological terms. Thank you, Pastor Johnny, for giving me the thumbs up. So today we're going to look at that, the theology of the church, but it's certainly more a reflection. But before I read the Scriptures today from Acts 2, I think it's very important to give you some historical context of this time The Book of Acts, which I'm going to read from today, took place over 2,000 years ago in a much simpler time. And for context, there were no iPhones, iPods, iMacs, iDoctors, also known as optometrists, no flushing toilets, no three-ply toilet paper, two-ply toilet paper, one-ply toilet paper. In fact, no toilet paper at all. It was invented in 1857. There was no electric cars, electric toothbrushes, electric shavers, electric scooters, electric eels. Well, to be fair, they existed. They just weren't discovered until 1766. That's beside the point. There was no electricity. Light bulbs, hot water systems, fridges. Are you getting this? I, I just think it's very important. i give you some historical context. There were no airplanes, cars, motorbikes, unicycles, skateboards, boats, jet skis... <laughs> wakeboards kneeboards water skis although barefoot water skiing did exist jesus and peter did try that one out once there was no plastic no recorded music there were no vacuums washing machines sewing machines and manufacturing machines coffee machines time machines to be fair there's still no time machines anyway are you getting this i just think it's very important i give you some context There were no AK-47s, bazookas, AR-15s, no guns at all, no nuclear power plants, nuclear missiles, no nuclear bombs, no Facebook, no Snapchat, no Instagram, no nightclubs, no Velcro. So you had to know how to tie your shoelaces. There were no shoelaces, no spam emails, no cigarettes, no zinger boxes, no corn syrup. Do you understand the context? The world today is so complex since the time of the scriptures I'm going to read today, the world has evolved and changed. Some for the better, some for the worse. By the time of our scriptures today, life was a little more simple. After Jesus died, rose again and ascended into heaven, a conviction that I truly, truly, truly believe. The disciples, his followers, waited for the Holy Spirit to empower them to start the church. And when the Holy Spirit came, Peter got up and he, he preached a sermon. And it's just after this where the scriptures I'm going to read today came about. And it's in this context that I can read what the original church was like. Let me read it for you from Acts 2, 42 onwards. This is what the church looked like in this simple world. as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Acts two forty two 42 onwards, the, the OG church, what it originally looked like. I'm going to go through these verses sort of line by line, and I'm going to share some reflections. And I hope my reflections today inspire you to go home and think and reflect. What does it mean to be part of a local church in today's modern context? What does the church mean to you? I'm going to reflect on what it means to me, but I just hope it's an open door for you to go home and dream for yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do today. That's what I'm going to do today. God, would you speak through me? Any uh, any sentences that uh, mean nothing, would they fall to the ground? But God, if you want to speak to people's hearts this morning, would my words carry weight? In Jesus' name, amen. The first verse. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and of prayers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. (sighs) Look, something about the original church. The apostles' teaching is not me. It's not Lewis getting up and doing a 45-minute sermon, nor is it Johnny or is it Pastor Travis. What is the apostles' teaching? What were they actually devoted to? I want to think about what it meant to the original church to listen to the apostles' teaching. I believe that the apostles are the people specifically chosen by Jesus, the disciples, and then later on Paul getting a call from Jesus himself to bring proper teaching. I think it's important to look at the context that really true proper teaching, apostolistic teaching is like the New Testament, the books written by the people called to be apostles. This Is good scriptural biblical teaching I think it's important that you get the context there were no devotional books no theological commentaries there was no Bible that was compiled for that didn't happen for the next 313 years and there were no pastors pulpits microphones there was no eisegesis or exegesis there was no 45-minute sermons I think it's really interesting when people say things like i would like to go to a church with biblical teaching a 45 minute sermon is not a biblical practice or concept there's no such thing as biblical we've made it up there man-made concepts jesus and the disciples in the early church they weren't sitting around going oh this is great exegetical teaching this is great uh, exegetical they weren't sitting around doing that because those words didn't exist They're invented by Bible colleges to teach people like me how to preach. 45-minute sermons, which are not in the Bible. Read Peter's sermon. You know how long it takes? 30 seconds. Wouldn't that be a good church service? Thank you and good night. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we make a call? There's no such thing. What are you talking about? (laughs) What are you talking about? if you want good biblical preaching i'm going to get up next sunday i'm going to start reading the book of mark and it's going to take me 45 minutes and you better know that that's the best biblical teaching you've ever heard yeah Ooh, pushing some buttons that's okay <laughs> they listen to the apostles teaching you want good biblical teaching go home this week and read your bible that's the best teaching you're going to get straight from the apostles come on now Hmm. And then they broke bread and they had fellowship well let's let's talk about bread let's talk about bread shall we let's talk about bread (laughs) because I want to give you the historical context there were no serrated bread knives or gluten free options (laughs) or or gloves or hand sanitizer or hand soap the early church they were just in there breaking bread tearing it out like oh my goodness I don't know how I'd fit in the early church. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. Like, mm, I'm good, Peter. (laughs) I don't want that bread of your grubby hands have been all over I mean, that's real fellowship, isn't it? You know how I know who my realest friends are? When I go out uh, to a restaurant and everyone's trying different drinks and someone says to me, oh, here, try my drink, but they don't give me any rules about where to like drink from around the rim. That's a real friend. (laughs) That is a real friend. I'd be there looking for a clean straw. Like, I, I want to taste this, but give me my, you know, that's a real friend. They're in the, that's fellowship, isn't it? Breaking the bread, passing it around. You know, in the church I grew up in, you had to go up the front for communion and everyone drank from the same cup. Mmm. So you had to rush in before the old people so you didn't get the backwash. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ah, that's fellowship, breaking bread, breaking bread, that's fellowship, that's fellowship. I just wanted to give you the historical context, you know, no serrated bread knives, they were just getting in there. Mm. (laughs) And awe came upon every soul or the maybe the word fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Let's talk about awe, let's talk about fear. I've been thinking a lot recently about childlike faith. What does it mean to have childlike faith? Like awe like a child. I remember when I was very young in high school, maybe in year eight or nine, I remember the first time I came to Sydney and, and... Uh, I remember the first time I came to Sydney and I saw, the, I saw the Sydney Harbour Bridge. And I remember walking up the steps of the Opera House. Like I'd seen this on TV. I came from a small country town of 5,000 people. It was like a magical land to me, Sydney. I was just so in awe. There's a photo of me being very young. <laughs> Gosh, did I have terrible fashion sense back then. I can't wait to show you the photos one day. I was in awe and there's this photo of me like just on the steps of the Opera House, just looking over the Sydney Harbour and you can just tell by my face, I'm just so in awe, like childlike, like this is amazing. I go to Sydney a lot more now. I try to keep that awe but it's slowly fading Just the other, I I usually always try to drive over the bridge instead of under the tunnel when I come back to the central coast after being in the city, because it's like I I always want to be, I'm a big fan of the Harbour Bridge, I always want to keep that awe. But just the other week, I was like, I'm in a rush, I'm going to go through the tunnel. Who cares about the view or the bridge? You know, starting to lose my awe, starting starting to lose that childlikeness. And I wonder if that can happen with faith too. I read this uh, person talking about prayer, And they said, when I was very, very young, I believed that I had magical powers to change traffic lights. I mean, I'd sit in my parents' car and I believed I could change traffic lights as a very young child. As I, a few years, you know, in in that time period, um, the parents um, went through a really rough patch. And it looked like divorce was imminent. And they said... I was so, so desperate to fix my parents' marriage that I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, God, I'll let you take away my power to change traffic lights if you keep my parents together. And the last line of this little story was, well, my parents are still happily married and I can't change traffic lights. (laughs) Not a theological story. (laughs) Not a theological story. But a beautiful one nonetheless childlike faith awe and wonder of the gospel of the goodness of god the thought that he can do signs and miracles i mean let's look at the theological context of this let's look at the theological context there were no hospitals medicine ambulances doctors nurses needles vaccines surgical scalpels in this day and age for like healing and like health they they just had to trust and believe and hope you can imagine in that context someone getting sick or ill and calling out to God because you have no other option you can't just go up the road to the doctor I wonder if in our modern day and age because of all the advancements in our world we've lost sight of like that reaching out trusting God in crazy ways they had no choice And I can tell you lots of wonders, lots of signs. People still would have died of illness. Wasn't a. It's not like everyone that got sick got instantly healed in this day and age it's just that they were more aware of it crying out to their God they had nothing they were in awe they had fear of this God of the universe who was completely in control too much in our modern world I think we can feel like we're in control too often we don't even pray for things like healings regularly in our churches it was like such commonplace in the OG church And all who believed were together and had all things in common. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Yes, I know. No coffee allowed in the auditorium. i aware. I think it's important I give you some historical context of the early church. There were no Baptists, Pentecostals, Lutherans, Catholics, Presbyterians, Calvinists, Arminians, Methodists, Unitings, Anglicans. There were no pre millennials, no post millennials. There were no pre lactarians and post lactarians. That's whether or not you put the coffee or the milk in first. <laughs> None of these things even exist. They were all together, they had all things in common. Oh, goodness. They weren't fighting over all the things, you know, all us dominations squabble over. I won't say fight. I think we all get along fairly well. I go to a lot of unified church things. But I tell you what, there's a lot of differences. A lot of differences. But they had all things in common. They had all things in common. There were no, uh, there were no separations, no uh, hierarchies. It was like every, every man be equal. Every man... Every, you know they had elders and overseers and that sort of thing but there was certainly no there was certainly no pastor who got up um, who broke the rules because they're the pastor like I'm up the front I've got a microphone so I can drink coffee in the auditorium I'm not doing it because I think I'm better than you I'm doing it because I think you should be able to as well you know everyone was equal they were all common they're all on the same level they're all on the same level. They're all on the same level. I really like getting down on your level. I really do. I'm just like you. I'm no better. I break the rules sometimes. <sighs> hmm. No better. They're all together. They had all things in common. One day, you're going to get a shock. I'm going to do a sermon sitting down here on this seat like this. I'm just going to put a big, no, I don't even need the screen. We've got a cross on the stage now. i are just going to turn the screen off. There's going to be a cross there. I'm going to sit here, and I'm just going to talk about the goodness of God. Remember the first time you encountered the goodness of that thing? Remember the first time you met the Jesus that hung on that thing for you? Remember how your life changed? Remember what he did for you? There's a 30-second sermon. Worship team, get back up, and we'll praise him. You know what I mean? Mm. We had all things in common. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I break the rules. I drink the coffee in the auditorium. Even when I'm not preaching, I sneak up the back and hope no one sees me. And I see some of you do it too. (laughs) (laughs) I had all things in common. Ah. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Distributing all as any had need. I think it's important I give you some historical context. There were no banks, no high interest rate savings accounts, no super funds, no Bitcoin. There there was no direct debit tithing option. They were all in selling all their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Our world world has got more complex and because of that we need to have systems in place. But I I remember one time being shocked by this almost, like just how far has the church like moved on from what it originally was. I remember at one church I was attending, Well, to be fair, you know, they had businesses and stuff that run during the week. It wasn't like the reception desk was the church reception desk. It was the reception desk for the whole whole centre. But I remember that if someone came in with a need of any kind, mental, physical, health, whatever, they would come to the reception desk and they'd talk about their need and there was a bread book um, behind the reception desk and basically... You'd get out the red book from the reception desk, and it's like, okay, they've got financial troubles. Let's find the local charity that deals with that. Oh, they've got health troubles. Okay, let's find the list of local doctors that can help deal with that. Oh, they've got... It was like this red book that essentially pointed you in the direction you needed to go for help. And um, I understand that we need systems in place and that the churches would be flooded with people needing help if we just opened up the floodgates. I, I understand that, but there was this part of me that was like, ah... I don't think that's what it was originally like. We're in a different context, but do you get what I mean? This church is quite good. We have the Edgar Hall Fund. Uh, people can come in with a need, and we have gift vouchers for coal so they can buy food, and we can give those fairly regularly with the signature of a pastor. So, so we do have good systems in place here, but, but it's very different to selling all your possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any, needs, any has need. That's full on. The problem is if I preach this too hard, people would accuse me of starting a cult. Mm, but it's good to contemplate. As I said, I'm not, I'm not here to try and teach you or think I, I know any better. I'm, this is just my reflections. I just hope it opens the door for you to go home and think for yourself. Oh, distributing to all as all had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. You know, the modern church, for all its differences, we certainly receive our food with glad and generous hearts. At least I do. Regarding the other parts of this, I want to give you some historical context. There were no Sunday services. They went day by day. No church buildings, no cathedrals, no building programs, no denominational land trusts, no offices, no stages, no lights, no foyer, no auditorium. Like, let's put this in in real context here. These Christians went and met in the courtyard, the foyer, of the local Jewish church, day by day. And then when they couldn't get in there, they went to their homes. Can you imagine if modern Christianity looked at like gate crashing the local Jewish synagogue, chilling in their courtyard, causing a ruckus, ruckus, not a common word these days, is it? It was a good word, bringing it back. Can you imagine if that was modern Christian? We didn't have these buildings or anything. We just crashed other religions' buildings. (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh, it's crazy to me. And then when you can't get in there because you want to go every single day, you decide, okay, it's all good. Oh, that we're really distracting them. We'll let them do their whole Jewish thing. Oh, let's just come over to my house. We'll break bread together. No buildings, no none of this. No stages, no lights. No st- I love all this. I love the, if you've got lights, use them well. You've got a stage, make a beautiful stage design. Like, make the best of what you've got. But come on now. It's all man-made. We made this up. Looks cool. I feel, I'm, I love it. But we made it up. Don't pick a church based on its lights or its stage design. <laughs> <laughs> sorry 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 pushing some buttons pushing some buttons okay what else have I got to say about that praising God praising God no worship leaders no bands no guitars guitars weren't invented till 1796 no CCLI some of you don't know what CCLI is CCLI Every time we sing a song, we've got to pay somebody. Because worship music's become a commodity. They buy and sell it. Mm. That frustrates me. I get it. People got to eat in that. they got to be able to afford their um, fancy clothes and their fancy in-ears but since when have our praises to God become a commodity you can buy and sell? Mm. No CCLI or royalty contracts. There wasn't even verse and chorus structure that only involved in the 16th century when repeating melodies began. (laughs) Uh, some of you, I know some of you are like, oh, I just wish we'd get back to the old hymns, but they didn't exist <laughs> 2,000 years ago either. You started singing those old hymns 2,000 years ago, they'd be like, what kind of new, new age music is this? Hmm. <laughs> you know, everything's, everything's new in context. Mm. They just praised God. They just praised God. No more, you know, they just praised God. And they had favour with all people. Jesus it'd be nice if we were liked. Now, obviously, they were persecuted. And there came points when the Christians were truly, truly, truly hated. But, you know, some of the first persecutions came because the Christians were so good at, like, social justice and so good at caring for the poor and so good at looking for children who were orphaned that, like, they, like, Rome hated them. There's, like, letters about, these Christians are making us look bad. Get rid of them. Mm. And lastly, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Mm. This is the church I see. A church where it's so compelling and beautiful and simple that people can't help but want to be a part of it. There's some things on my heart in the, in the very far future, like when I'm old enough. <laughs> oh, boy, do I want to see a church and a, and a community and a system that's simple? Do I want to reach the people that, you know, I feel bad for people that don't understand Christian context and didn't grow up in it. It's like, oh, you know, come, come be a Christian. They're sitting there like, what kind? Baptist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, am I meant to go to one of the ones with wooden seats or the cool music or... You know, people just don't get this stuff if you don't grow up in it. People just don't understand. It's really sad. But I see a day, and I declare this prophetically, there's going to be a calling back to the original church. I really believe that, where it's going to be simple. And people are going to come to faith because it's going to be an easier thing to have access to. And there's things that frustrate me about the church. Not our church. I mean, the the church, you know, all our modern context. But I believe that there's something we have in common with the original church. So let me tell you what we have in common I gave you all the historical context all the ways we're different but here's what we have in common they believed in the same Jesus I believe in the early church me people sitting in this room you know what they believed they believed that there was a Jesus that was prophesied and and sort of written about ever since the beginning of creation in some sense there was this God story that a saviour a messiah was coming a saviour And this perfect Jesus came to earth, perfect, blameless, God himself with skin and bone on. Not only to show us how to live, and boy did Jesus live a simple life, a very simple, easy life. But also to take all that punishment and shame and guilt and put it upon himself. Only someone so perfect could do that. And when he started saying things like, I'm God, when he started saying things like, I'm the king, when he started saying things like, you know, I and the father are one, well, they didn't like that and they put him on a cross. And It looked like the devil had won. It looked like evil had won. But what they didn't know is that in that moment, Jesus was taking upon all the sin and grief of the world upon himself. All of mine, all of yours. So that we wouldn't have to carry that burden, so that we could be reconciled with God. And it looked like, it looked pretty dark. They put him in a tomb. His disciples ran away in fear. They were like, ah, it's all over. I gave up three years of my life for this. They went back fishing. They went back. But three days later, he rises. He conquers death so that whoever believes in him can also conquer death. And even the people who gave up and went fishing, well, they came back and they got up and they waited for the Holy Spirit and they declared the truth, that the Messiah come, he rose and whoever believes in him can have eternal life. The early church believed that. So do I. So do we. And that's about all the historical context you need, that there is a Messiah, a Saviour. And that's all that matters. Mm. Mm. My time is up. Mm. Let's make it simple. I want you to go home and reflect how do I make it simple? I want you to go home and reflect what can I do that is calling back to the original church? Maybe it's inviting someone over to your house and breaking bread. Maybe it's just making up your own praise song in the car on the way home. Mm. Maybe it's getting a bit of that childlike faith back, like being in awe and wonder, praying for that miracle you haven't prayed for because, you know, the world's good enough as it is. No, you're allowed to pray for signs and wonders. You're allowed to. Maybe it means, you know what, I don't usually come back at night, but tonight I'm going to come back and be part of the family, be part of the community and break bread and eat soup and watch people get baptised. Maybe that's your next step, calling back to the simple ways when it was just people being added to the church daily, getting dunked in the waters of baptism. Hmm. I see it. I have great hope for the future. Let me pray for you. Not because I'm your priest, but because I'm the one with the microphone, it makes sense. (laughs) God, we thank you and praise you for your saving work in us. God, we thank you for the church. We thank you that we as a community of believers can gather together and be a family and, and be one and have everything in common God we thank you God would you help us to make it simple would we not get caught up in all the modern context in all the things that make life confusing and hard and all the things that make theology confusing and hard and all the big words and all the mess and all the denominations and all the divisions and all would we not get caught up in that God would it be just would we just come back to our first love childlike faith would we be in awe and wonder God, help us to open our minds and do our own research this week. God, I pray anything that I said that is um, meaningless would just fall flat to the ground and would people forget it. And uh, if anything I said did push any buttons in the good way, God, would that go into people's hearts and help us create change and make the church a better place? God, I pray that as many people as possible come back tonight for soup and for baptisms. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.